Hello and welcome to another episode of the Young God Podcast. I'm your host, Rodney Omeokache. And today I am joined by Lutana Igwe, but you know her as Sugar Belly. She's an illustrator, writer, and uh, iOS engineer. And she's joining me from Washington, D.C. Am I right? Yeah, that's correct. Lutana, you're welcome and thank you for doing this with me. I appreciate it. Sure, not a problem. Thank you for having me. So, how's it going? How's it going? What's 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 up these days? What are you what are you working on? Um, nothing really. Um, I generally try to be very chill, like especially on the weekends. Um, I do get a lot of work done, but um, I don't. Um, I try not to like be doing too many things um the primary thing i'm working on most of the time um besides regular work which is ios development um is working on sexy evil and pretty much just trying to keep myself organized what's 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 sexy evil about i know that's that's um actually quite a big deal but like where, where did that come from how, how did that how did you get inspired by to get that sexy evil started um, so sexy evil is something that it's it's basically so on paper, so sexy evil is an online uh learning platform. Um it's it's a digital online course for learning evil. Um and it's a site that I built because I've kind of had the idea in my head like for years. Like it's something that I started researching and I decided to do back in 2008. Um, but really it was kind of born out of my frustration with the fact that most evil people that I met, like couldn't speak evil. And um, even to this day, like, you know, you'll have a gathering of evil people. And I always say this thing is that, um, evil people are really the only group of people who will come together in a group and every single person in that group is evil, but they'll all still speak English. And that's because most evil people don't know how to speak evil or they don't know how to speak evil properly or they don't know, um, you know, or like they're not, they either understand evil, but they can't speak it themselves or they speak a little bit of evil, but they don't understand most of it. Um, mm. At the same time, um, you know, as time goes on and you have more and more evil people who either cannot speak evil at all or are not confident in their evil speaking ability, what ends up happening is that um, they get married and they have children. And then you have a new generation of evil people who are growing up with parents who can barely speak evil. So they don't even attempt to pass on the language to their children. Um, and it only takes about two or three generations of this happening for the language to die out entirely. Um, so that really alarmed me. And I just felt like, um, you know, one, people needed like a good solution for like learning evil. And it wasn't until, you know, I graduated from college and then I moved back to Nigeria and then I moved to America, you know, and like, again, like I said, like my life got in the way, but then, um, I think it was last year. It was last year, like the year before I found myself with like quite a lot of free time. And like once I've got free time, I have this running list of things that I'm supposed to be doing that I always consult um, and of course, like, you know, build out sexy evil is always on the top of it. So I was like, oh, I finally have some time on my hands, you know, and then I started to like 
feverishly like write out the lesson plans, record like the audio, you know, um, double check like the grammar and the this and the that, like you know, build out. So how did you? How, how did you? How did you research for it? Like how, how? Like how do you? How did you? Like know that this is how people are going to learn it, and um, actually. Well, that's because I have I have like very extensive experience in learning languages in general. Um, so just going from you know growing up in Nigeria and like having to learn all these languages, um, I really quickly ran into you know the problem where the teachers didn't teach the language well. So, you know, when I was little, I grew up in Lagos and I had to learn Yoruba because Lagos is a Yoruba state. And then, of course, you know, I already I was an Igbo person, so I had to learn Igbo and then I had to learn Yoruba. And then I moved to Abuja and like in my school in Loyola, Hausa was compulsory. So I had to learn Hausa too. And then, of course, like all Nigerian children have to learn French. Um, You know, so I was learning French as well as all these other Mm -hmm. languages. And then Mm -hmm. when I was in boarding school. Um, I got really interested in Spanish. So I decided to teach myself Spanish. Um, mm. And I started learning Spanish and I ended up taking the SAT too in Spanish. So mm. because I've had like so much experience having to learn multiple languages as well as self-teaching myself a language, um, yeah. you know, sufficiently to the extent where I was able to take the SAT two in Spanish and I passed the SAT two in Spanish. Um, I've kind of like learned along the way what works and what doesn't work. And um, because of that, you know, and, you know, I've always had this habit of like taking notes, like writing journals. So I always write down things that I learn. Um, Over the years, I've built up a system of like learning languages that actually does work for me. And so I felt like that was something that I could translate into the structure of how sex people works. Okay, so um, as as and this is all really interesting and fascinating, and mm-hmm. I think um, it's it's very timely. In fact, uh, as as but as a branding guy, you know, I'm, I'm into branding and uh, uh, brand development. So mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm like, why why sexy Igbo? Why why sexy Igbo as a name? Um, why not anything else? I picked sexy Igbo because, you know, I felt like because Igbo is far from sexy. Well, in my opinion, well, I mean, I suppose like that's you know. I, I, the reason I called it sexy evil was because that's how I felt about it. Um, mm. And that's also how I felt about like learning languages in general. Like I really, really it's like sexy, languages. Yeah? I really like, you know, I really like analyzing, um, you know, grammar. I really like mm-hmm. the way different languages work. I really like their structure. Um mm it kind of like gives me a little thrill like when I'm reading about like the grammatical structure of like Japanese. So mm. I, you know, it was something exciting for me. <clears throat> and I understand that to a lot of people, learning languages is intimidating, but like it really isn't for me. Like I find it mm. very, I find it very fun. It's super interesting. I think it's super exciting. And like, I think overall it's generally like just sexy. And, um, you know, and I know that, like, people didn't feel that way about evil, but I felt like, well, you know, I'm presenting this language in a brand new way that a lot of people have never kind of encountered before. And, you know, perhaps you thought evil was like fuddy-duddy or whatever, but I'm going to show you that evil is like super sexy and it's awesome. Um, and that's the reason why I called it sexy evil, because that's how I feel about like speaking evil. You know... Um, you know what a good tagline would be for that? What? <laughs> Make making Igbo great again. Um, 
I think Donald Trump has sullied that phrase for everyone. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you know what? You know what? This is such a it's, it's so great because um, I'm one of those who uh, find it uh, hard to speak evil. I can understand it like most uh-huh. evil kids can. So, and my dad is always like on my neck about it. Like, in fact, he will go as far as saying like that's his biggest regret and failure as a as an evil man that his his eldest son can't speak evil so if he knew that this was you know in the forge he would he would personally pay for my subscription to to get it done and i think that's like you should tell him i will actually i will actually let let it come out out of his pocket for once but but i feel like this is such a great idea that um if you were maybe marketing it a bit more heavily in nigeria you could like easily get investors in Igbo land who would love, love, love to make this a thing and, you know, get their kids and the future kids back into Igbo. You know, the funny thing is I actually don't want investors. And, um, you know, people always say this thing to me all the time. Um, You know, when when I was doing all this research for sexy evil, right. Mm. And I was like, you know, the nerd who would like talk people's ear off about Mm -hmm. like grammar and syntax. Like Mm -hmm. people thought that was very boring and very annoying. Um, Mm. You know, people thought I was like a bit of an ITK. And I think people always think I'm, I'm a bit of an ITK and like, you know, it is what it is. That's how I am. Um, But my point is, is that people are only ever interested in the finished product. Like, it's only now that I've launched this shiny new website and, mm-hmm. you know, and people can see that, like, people are paying for Sexy Evil and it's making money, mm. um, you know, that people are interested. I remember when I when I did the, the first test pilot of Sexy mm. Evil. Yeah. And um, I brought it out at $47. And I remember, like, I had my friend, my dear friend, Sani, um, you know, who is from the North. And I specifically picked him because he's from the North. I didn't want somebody who was already familiar with evil to test it. I yeah. wanted somebody who was like totally alien to it to test it. So I yeah. had him run through it and test it. And like, he tweeted about it. And he was like, this is super amazing. I've never seen like a Nigerian language presented this way. Like, mm, this is my mm, thing. Mm, um, mm. And I remember all of the mentions that he got from evil people were like, you know, this girl's a criminal. How dare she? $50 for evil lessons. Who does she think she is? Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Like, it was overwhelmingly negative, right? Yeah, yeah. And I just ignored all of that. I kept mm. working on my product because I knew I had an mm. amazing product. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just kept, like, reaching out to people, you mm. know. And little by little, like, it started to gain traction. And, like, people Mm. started to sign up. And people were actually paying me money. Like, they were paying real money, like, to learn Igbo. And not only that, but then I haven't had a single person complain because everybody who's joined has been like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is Mm. mind-blowing. Like, thank you so much. Mm. Um, And I'm in there every single day, like, you know, asking questions, listening to, like, my students, listening to, like, the people who are using Sexy Evil, you know, Mm. and, like, they'll make suggestions. And I always tell them, like, you know, leave comments on the lessons. If you don't understand something, like, leave a comment. I will reply right away. If you want Mm. me to research something, like, Mm. let me know, you Mm. know. So, I mean, I'm 100% super invested in making Sexy Evil, like, the best Evil learning experience for anybody worldwide but the thing is that i built it entirely by myself i built it entirely from my own 
vision of how I felt that learning Igbo should be yeah. based on my own experiences and my own disappointments in learning mm. various languages. Yeah. And I just don't think that other people, you know, who kind of want to latch on now that it seems to be going well, have that same vision. Yeah, well, yeah, that kind um, of makes sense. Yeah, it, um, okay. So and so that's the reason why, like, I don't want investors because um, once you take other people's money, um, you're kind of like beholding to them and you're beholding yeah. to, to like their input. Yeah. And you know, maybe it's an arrogant thing to say, but I really don't think that anybody else's input is as good as mine. You know, mm, 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 as fu- mm. like on sexy evil and you know people will say oh my god like this girl like she's so arrogant like she's so full of herself or whatever but i really do believe very strongly in like my own vision Mm. um and i'm you know i'm i want to see it through to the end and i want to be able to turn around at the end of the day and say i built this you don't think it's possible that um you could be in a situation where you could still uh, you know, take money from someone who is not trying to impose. I mean, you've come this far without them, so now they're just maybe supporting you to go further in that, not necessarily to, you know, add to what you're doing. You know, with yeah, their own um, I stuff. Think I, I mean, you know, and of course, like, of course, every investment deal, you know, is unique. So, I would definitely be open to taking investment money in the terms if, like if that wouldn't give that person any kind of creative control over it. On your so terms. I, exactly, on my terms. So, like, I take mm. investment money and then, you know, maybe I would give you a certain return financially, yeah. but you would have no input in the product whatsoever. Mm, mm, mm. Also, um, in language learning, it's so crucial to have audio. Um, if you don't have audio, no matter how much you read, you're never really going to be able to commit that to like your language memory and so i was like i have to create a self-paced system that yes it explains and it breaks down the grammar and yes it explains and it breaks down like the syntax and vocabulary but it also has to have audio for every single thing that is being taught and that's a huge undertaking like i I speak all the time about how sick i am of like recording audio for sexy evil you know i just kind of like push myself and i power through it because i know how crucial it is um you can explain grammar till you're blue in the face but Mm. if someone doesn't hear it and if they can't like repeat after what they hear it's not going to stick and so um that's why i built the platform the way it is so so that means that one of the ways you can use investor money is to get you know other people to record as opposed to you. You could hire, you know, proper evil people who would, you know, take on that burden of recording so you can focus on, you know, other things like refining the experience and making it better. Yeah, um, I mean, that could definitely be one of the things that probably I could use, um, you know, like additional funding to do. Yes, like money could definitely solve that problem. And, you know, I mean, even if it means just like organizing recording sessions and like I can kind of be there supervising and I can be like, hey, watch your tone. Let's redo yeah. that one because like you were yeah. on that one. I mean, that, yeah. that that's fine. You know, um, there's definitely a lot of room for it to grow and for it to scale. Um, so um, that's definitely you, like you, something. You know what else could pop off? If this does really well, and this just came to me right now, if this, if this app does really well and with all the... Uh, repository you have of all the Igbo audio mm-hmm. and everything it could maybe be the 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 foundation for maybe like 
you know, Ibo Siri or Ibo navigation on Google Maps. So, you know, all these things that require like voice um, direction. So the way I see it, what you're doing right now has so many implications going forward. And there's a lot of ways you can capitalize on that. That is true. You know? But then at the same time, mm. there's or there's like a pretty obvious limitation to that. And that limitation is the fact that um, because of, you know, Nigeria being colonized and because of like, you know, the way um, our history un- unraveled, I would say from like 1850 onwards, Igbo um, as a language has not kept up with modern technology. And it's, it's a pretty mm. big problem. Um, mm. So the, the issue is that like you simply a modern person in 2019 mm. cannot mm-hmm. realistically go through their entire day speaking only Igbo because there are massive holes in the language. Like there are no Igbo words for a plethora of things that mm. we use and interact with every single day. And that's yeah. another kind of like mini project within sex Igbo itself that I kind of like mm. was working on for like 10 years is that, um, we do need to coin new Igbo words. And like, there are mm. various groups of people who have tried to do this, but in my mm. opinion, like they have always fallen short because they yeah. try to borrow vocabulary from English, which is an mm. absolutely stupid thing to do. Igbo and English yeah. are not parallel languages. They have no mm. um, etymological relationship. You know, they don't have any kind of linguistic relationship. It makes yeah. zero sense whatsoever to borrow vocabulary from English into Igbo because English words are not structured in a way that fit into Igbo at all. And beauty is really important to me. Beauty in the way that you speak matters a lot to me. Um, mm. I don't want to Preach. speak an ugly language. There are some people whose languages sound really ugly and like it stresses mm. me out so much. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be stuck speaking an ugly language. Like it really bothers me. And so I feel like there's a lot of research that needs to be done in order to mm. generate new Igbo words. Mm. Well, you have you have your work cut out for you and... Um... I wish you I wish you all the best. Um, you. I'm anxious to see I'm anxious to see how this, you know, reaches its 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 full um I uh its full, you know, level. Fun fact to those listening, uh Latona and I went to to school together, we went to Loyola together. She was a year above me, and we never really knew each other until she re- reinvented herself as Sugar Belly. I and there wait, was... so so it's funny. People think I reinvented myself as Sugar Belly, and I actually didn't. And like this is something that a lot of people don't realize. Sugar Belly has been my nickname since I was a child. Oh yeah, it's okay. not a reinvention okay. of anything. Like I, I, I didn't like decide one day. Like it, it wasn't as though like after boarding school or something, I came out and I started being no. Like it's literally been my nickname since I was nine years old. So mm, okay. um, there are people in real life who call me Sugar Belly in real life because yeah. it's a childhood nickname. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, so um, Latana, I've, I've always wanted to have a conversation with you because I've always had this feeling that you're extremely misunderstood and an easy target for people who, to, to, to aim their hateful and mediocre world to use at. Uh, you, you have like over 20,000 followers on, on Twitter mm-hmm. and that's a lot of eyes on you. And there was a point, there was a time when you were painted as like the devil's incarnate. How did you deal with all that like negative attention? Um, so, I mean, obviously it's not nice. Um, you know, it is, it's never nice to be the target of like people's like horrible, um, things that people say to me. And a lot of things that people have said to me have been quite horrific, but then at the same time, I think that I've always had a very strong 
sense of self um, in the sense that I'm a very self-contained person. Um, you know, I've always been like myself and I've never wavered mm. in like who I am. Yeah. And so um, I do think that people like that kind of like stresses people out. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's like, it's simply not worth it to me to, you know, to whittle away myself because of other people's opinions. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, at night when everyone goes to bed, you're left alone lying in your bed by yourself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I do have to, I'm the, I'm the person that I have to spend the most time with. Um, yeah. And so, you know, if I'm not happy with who I am, then what's the point? So because of that, um, you know, I, I think that one thing that I changed was that I started defending myself. Um, I used to be a very soft hearted, very tender hearted person. I used to shy away from like disagreements. Like I used to feel very hurt by, Mm. you know, if I felt like people didn't like me, but then at the same time, it's like, you know, I tried changing myself for people and I was never happy. And so I decided, you know what? The person that I am is worth defending. Like the person that Mm. I am has a right to Mm. be here. And so Mm. whenever I felt like people were just like attacking me needlessly or like what, or if people, you know, were being hateful towards me, I kind of promised myself that I would always stand up for myself because I never like really, I never had people who stood up for me. And that was mm. something that always hurt me. Like, even back in Loyola, mm. like, I felt like a lot of people treated me very badly for no reason. And I felt like there weren't enough people who stood up to those people and said, what you're doing is wrong. Um, and I kind of always wanted to have, like, a hero or a champion or somebody who would, like, defend me publicly yeah. to other people. But I never had that person. And so one day I decided, you know what? I'm going to be my own hero. I'm going to be my own champion. I'm going to go into battle yes. and defend myself. Yeah. Shit. You know what? You know what? I'm glad you mentioned this. And this is a perfect segue because uh, this podcast... and Well, anyway, you know, if you know... Um, me on Twitter, you know, I refer to myself as a god, like the young god, yeah, that kind of thing. And the idea behind it is that, you know, we're we're self possessed. We know who we are, and we we, we create the life we want for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We we you know, and and that's very important today because there's just a lot of pressure from all angles to be anything but yourself, and to to cave into uh, the negative aspects. So when you mentioned the fact that. And I saw this actually, because in my mind, when I would see how people would attack you and, you know, call you all these names, I'd be like, I wonder, I was always like trying to put myself in your shoes. Like, how, how are you dealing with this, right, with this right now? How is she feeling? And then now you've mentioned this and I could see that actually, you know, you were taking it on the chin and, you know, just doing you regardless. And that's really what the God mentality is about. That's what I push when I, when I talk to people and when I'm, you know, in, in, in my private life. So you are, you're, you're a God if you didn't know that right now. Like, I feel like it's very rare people who can do that. Sometimes people would have to like disable their accounts or shy away or, you know, make themselves the victim and just let that whole um, scenario kill them. But I was just watching silently as you handled it, you know, sometimes with grace, sometimes you fired back, you give them fire for fire. And it was all fun just for me watching. But, you know, I have to commend that right now that uh, you are, you're, you're, you're something special and, uh, you know, just, you know, keep it up. You're, you have your head right on where it should be. Although, although I would say that, um, you know, 
I do I do have some re- reservations sometimes about some of the the um maybe maybe the tone. Some of my methods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but hey, you know, that's 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 part of life. I just you know I don't want to get um in, into that, but yo, to I'm be perfectly like, you're... honest. Um mm-hmm. I think that well I think that sometimes I have this weird sense of humor that a lot of people don't understand. And that's fine that they don't understand it because it's not a sense of humor that's really for other people. It's kind of for mm. myself. Um, mm. Everybody, whether they know it or not, has a relationship mm-hmm. with, with their inner self or like has an inner life. For sure. That kind of is exclusive to only themselves. And mm-hmm. I think that sometimes when I say things that people kind of misunderstand or when I, mm. when I do things that people kind of don't find funny, but like I find them funny. Um, yeah. that that's kind of like a little bit of my inner self leaking out. Um, and it's not something that I expect other people to understand and that's fine. You mm. know, um, you know, it's like that whole thing about like the poverty stricken list a lot yeah, of people yeah, are yeah. so engaged <laughs> you know but the, and it's funny because a lot of people think that the reason why I put people on that list or the reason why I made that list was because I look down on people who are poor and I actually don't um, but it's just it's amusing to me I find it amusing um, yeah. they don't find it amusing but mm. there's actually no malice like whatsoever behind it like mm. I don't put people on there because you know i feel like look at this smelling poor person no i actually don't mm-hmm. feel that way but it's kind of like my innermost sense of humor that i yeah. understand that other people are not going to understand and that's fine but it's for yeah. my own entertainment and it's for my own consumption um you know and the fact that other people see it and other people are enraged by it it's just by the way it's not yeah. like the main purpose of it the main purpose of it is to entertain me personally um but yeah you know so i think that i felt i started to feel more comfortable with life like when i decided that i was going to show up for myself um Mm. and i was going to um be my own champion um and so you know it's hard like having such a large following online. And and another thing that people don't even realize is that I never asked for that following. It, you know, there are people now, you know, who try to gain followers, who try to like build a platform or whatever. I never yeah. tried to do any of that. I never act like I never actively tried to do it. Like even with my mm. blog, I never wrote my blog thinking that people would read my blog. I wrote my blog mm. because I wanted to write stuff. For myself. That's the first thing, yeah. And then other people stumbled on my blog and began to read it. And like the number of people who were reading my blog kept growing and growing and growing. Mm. And then it got so big that, you know, I guess that spilled over to like when I joined Twitter or whatever, like people started following me because like they because they knew me from my blog. Um yeah. and that's probably where my entire online presence comes from. It comes from people yeah. who used to read my blog and who started following me. Mm. And that's like mm. the core. And then now there are other people. I guess who have kind of like discovered me because, you know, somebody that they know follows me and like perhaps I got retweeted onto the like their their timeline or something. Mm-mm-mm. Um but long story short is that I do ninety-nine percent of the things that I do for myself. 
for my own personal as, satisfaction, like for my own existence. Um, I don't do them as a performance for anybody else. And I, and I, and that's yeah. something I'm really careful about, especially because yeah. as my audience has grown and grown and grown. Um, and I've said this before, I think that when you have a lot of people who are following you, you come under this pressure to start acting a certain way, to start conforming yeah. to like the things that like they want you to do. Like I have yeah. people who follow me and I'll say something and people will tweet them. They're like, Oh, delete this. Or why did you tweet this? Or why should you tweet yeah. this? Or whatever. Yeah. And I would rather block those people or I would rather like, you know, kick them off. So, like they're not following me than, you know, edit myself to match their expectations and it's funny because like you know i remember the i remember seeing somebody's tweet somebody was like owners of block industry like you know and like my name was on there like basically people who block people a lot mm. and um yes i do because i think that there are some people who because they're afraid to lose followers they would rather like censor themselves or they would rather like change what they say or they would rather like act a certain way so they can preserve that that large following that like they've developed but i'm never going to be one of those people because i never ask for this large following you know Mm. it doesn't mean i'm not going to use it to my advantage but at the same time i'm not going to sell my soul of you know sell away like the authenticity of who i really am um Mm. in order to like play to the gallery i'm, I'm glad you that said person. that I'm, I'm glad you said that because what, what i appreciate about you is that with you what you see might not be what you like but it's definitely what you get yeah you know, you know and, and that's the thing like you don't have to and i always say this thing all the time like i always say this thing like please don't like i don't want followers like you know and sometimes i joke and i say i hate i hate all my followers but mm. please don't follow me and then expect me to conform to how you think I should think or how you think I should Mm. be. Um, Mm. Who I am, and I'm just living my life online, like Mm. most of us Mm. are. But, you know, don't get an image of me in your head and then start getting angry when I don't conform to that image. Um, You know? What people need to know is that it says says a lot about... Yeah, it says a lot about them and less about you when uh, you 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 try to put someone in in your own in the box that is based on your own judgments and biases, and exactly. people don't realize that they think that that and you know what people actually forget that we're all so different and 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 so you know unlike in many ways, and the beauty of it of it all is just appreciating what each person brings to the table. Like for, for myself, mm-hmm. I learned to, I learned to just see people as facts, as who they are, and I treat them as such. I I've, I've passed that stage where. You know, even if I don't agree with someone, but it it still takes a certain level of either bravery, stupidity, or shamelessness to say or do certain things, and I can still appreciate that in the larger comedy of of human beings. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, and something that um, you know, and 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 I think I've I've been saying this a lot more now because um, in recent years there's been a lot of I, I've come into a lot of interaction with like American members of Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, for maybe for me tweeting on various topics that I think are more like spoken about in America. And something that has always, always struck me about like when I get these large waves of Americans who come into my Mm. mansions is that they always want me to delete my tweet. They always Mm. want me to, you know, they always kind of like want to shut you up because they don't Mm -hmm. agree with what what you said. And Mm -hmm. they always extrapolate what you said 
to like you hating them or to like you wanting to attack them or like you wanting to kill them or you wanting them to die. And I just, you know, and I, 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 you know, I've come to the conclusion that Americans simply don't know how to disagree. You can I think people like, in general. I, yes, people in general, yes. But I think Amer- Americans especially. More than Nigerians? I think, I think, no, let me tell you. I think that growing, a gift of growing up in Nigeria uh-huh. is that you will very quickly learn that there are people from all sorts of different backgrounds who do all sorts of different things. And you guys can have like disagreements and arguments, but it does not mean that that person hates you. Like, and, and like, for example, Yoruba people are a really good example of this. In one Yoruba family, you can find like a mother who's a Muslim, a father who's a traditional worshiper, and like, you know, another family member who's like a Christian. And like, they all mm. live in the same family. And like, these three mm. people are diametrically opposed, but like, and they will have disagreements and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, nobody thinks that the other person hates the other person just because like they believe something different. But um, I think increasingly on the internet, and I'm not going to like entirely blame Americans for this, but it's just like, Mm. it's it's a really worrying like trend on the internet is that people are getting very siloed and people are starting to feel that if someone disagrees with my beliefs or, Mm. you know, that means that this person hates me or that person has a phobia or that person, you know, and it's simply not true. Mm, I can mm, believe mm. that everything that you believe is cockamamie bullshit. Like, but it doesn't mean that I hate you as a person. And it also doesn't mean that as a person, like, if I see someone treating you badly, like, I'm not going to say something. Or that I'm okay with, like, you know, people treating you badly, like, you know, or, like, you not having your rights or, like, things that you deserve. But it doesn't mean that, like, just because I don't I don't believe in, like, your 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 sky man in, in like, you know, the man in the sky, <laughs> man in the sky, that I hate you, you know? What what religion do you subscribe to, by the way? Um, I don't really like have any religion right now okay. at this point. Um, I used to be Christian. I used to be a Catholic, and then you know, after many years and everything of being like intensely Christian or intensely Catholic, I just realized mm. that it wasn't doing anything for me, mm. and um, you know, I just felt like it wasn't the answer to like. I guess I wouldn't even say the questions I had because I I feel like I don't really have questions anymore about like the world. Um, like it didn't fit into your 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 values as a person. It didn't or you make to go. sense to me. Really, it really did not make mm. much sense to me. You know, mm. so like for example, Christianity, you get told this story that like God loves everybody and like mm. God wants the best for everybody and whatnot, whatnot, and God mm. made us because he loves us and blah blah blah. Mm. But the more you think about it, the more self-serving and self-absorbed and narcissistic the whole thing and like God sounds, you know? Mm. It's mm. like mm. this being made a bunch of people to worship him why like isn't it enough that you're god no now you need like a bunch of people to praise you from morning to night and like make you feel like <laughs> yourself you know and it's even worse you claim that you gave those people free free will but then you're still mm-hmm. like p- planning to punish those people if they don't obey you like the whole thing is so 
it's just so childish and like narcissistic. You know how I see it? You know? You know how I see it? How? The way I see it, the way I see it is that, um, you know, because I, I also battle with this, uh, same as you, the whole um, idea of God and, you know, what he expects from us. And I, I, I took it upon myself to really, you know, um, think about it on a personal level. And I feel like God, if we're going to stick with the story of the Bible, I feel like human beings have interpreted it in a way that kind of holds us back as human beings. I feel like God created us in his image. That image of God is the creative ability, that power to create. And I think he has given us the power to create our worlds, to create ourselves, to create, you know, the things we want to see in the world. That is as far, and, and yeah, and given us the free will to do so. I think that is as far as, as God has, has come with us. He just created us and said, hey, go do your thing. But now, to be honest, like, do you know what kind of did it all in for me? Mm-hmm. Is when I realized that the only reason that people believe so strongly in like mm-hmm. Christianity or Islam or whatever mm. is because somebody wrote a book about it. And and what I mean by this is like most of the religions that have very strong presence are religions mm-hmm. that have a book that's like a couple hundred to a couple thousand years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people point to it and like, they're like, oh, everything is in this book and it's in mm. this and it's in this and that, right? And the religions mm. that kind of didn't really survive are the religions that didn't write any books yeah. about like their religion, yeah. you know? And, and I know that, okay, so for example, Confucianism is not a religion. It's like a philosophy yeah. or it's a set of philosophies. Yeah. But, Part of the reason why Confucianism survives to this day is because there are writings mm. on Confucianism that are like mm. hundreds of years old or like thousands of years old or whatever. But yeah. the point is that everything that got written down X thousand years ago, like persists to the, to the modern day. And mm. so, you know, you realize that these religions that are so dominant today, they're not actually this dominant because they're that great. They're this dominant because, you know, whoever was in charge of this religion at some point decided to write a book about it. So it's like, okay, you know, right now, 90 something percent of Africans follow a religion that isn't indigenous to Africa. They either follow Mm. Islam or they follow Christianity or whatever. And I'm just like, well, if, you know, if the priests of Idemili had written down some big fat book and buried it in some big fat tomb, you know, 10,000 years ago, like probably half a billion people today would be Idemili worshippers because they found some book in some tomb somewhere. And like, you know, and according to them, that book explains everything in the world. So it's honestly just the luck of the draw, you know? It's like mm, birth mm, lottery, you know? You're, yeah. you're born somewhere and you just follow the re- the religion of what you're born. But the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, simply because these religions survived and because these religions had books or they had texts that, you know, that kind of, you know, accom- like explained and accompanied like the religion, um, everyone feels like, oh, they make so much sense. Oh, it's in the Bible. It makes so much sense. It's in the Quran. It makes so much sense. Well, guess what? Like, if we had written the book of Idemili, you'd be like, oh my God, it's in, like, the Mili book. It makes so much sense. But just because, like, there isn't, like, a book about, like, Amadioha or whatever, you know, Mm. there's nobody out here to say, oh, it's in chapter blah, blah, blah of the book of Amadioha and, like, it was written, and because of that, and I think like 
that's like an aspect of human psychology. So like human beings, um, you know, if it's written in a book somewhere, especially a very old book, you know, people are like more likely to believe in it, if that kind of makes any sense. Yeah. So, and I think like once I came to that realization, um, I just felt like, you know, these religions aren't really um, very much sense to me. And I feel like they're not even like the answer to anything. And I think like the final nail in the coffin is how how hard they try to convince everyone that they have the answers to everything when really the only honest admission in this world as a human being is that we honestly don't know what's going on. Yeah, we, we don't, we don't. And I get, I, I get that, but what I, where I'll disagree with you is that, um, uh, yeah, while, while these, these books are you know written by, by people just like you and I, and that's really their, like you said, luck of the draw, you know, there, there's still, you know, some wisdom. If you take out the, the whole attachment to religion, there's wisdom in some of these books that apply regardless of whether you believe in a, in a higher being or... In yeah, a, but then uh, the counter-argument to that is that, it, you know, the wisdom in those books that apply, that are, that is universal to being a human being is simply by dint of the fact that these books are written about human beings by human beings and so on. Like, just for the fact that there's human involvement means that you know, universal human wisdom is going to trickle into those books regardless. So it's really neither here nor there. Um, there's universal human wisdom in like Confucian texts. There's universal human wisdom in texts by Mencius. Literally every work by a human being or by a group of human beings is going to con contain universal human wisdom. So the fact that people point to the, like some universal wisdom from the Bible, some universal wisdom from the Quran or, or some universal wisdom from the Talmud really doesn't mean anything. No, yeah. There's I, universal I human I, wisdom I, in Harry Potter. No, yeah, of course. No. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that, is that if you take out the, the, the aspect of, being so tunnel vision in, in your belief in, in, in the religion, in the dogma, and just see it for what it is in terms of like something like ask and ye shall receive. That is such a basic, you know, idea in terms of how one can relate with the higher power or with anyone in their lives or something like treat your neighbor as you treat yourself. You know, it's, 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 it's all those things that I feel, even though I'm opposed to religion in terms of the, 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 you know, believing in something as opposed to knowing in something, I still feel like there are some things one can, with an open mind, glean and use to influence their decision, their behavior, and just have a great... But you see, the question uh, is, and like this is often like a false argument that I find like a lot of religious people present. A lot mm -hmm. of people act like if there was no religion, that there would be no morality. And like that's simply not true. Um, yeah. morality is completely separate from religion. Like ethics is completely separate from religion. Religion mm. is a vehicle to convey those two things, but it does not yeah. mean that one cannot be a good, ethical, morally upright person without like subscribing to a religion or without being indoctrinated to a religion. I mean, the very core foundation of ethics or, or at least morality is basically this, right? You're a human being and you have a variety of experiences. Some are negative, some are positive. Anything that you would view as a negative experience 
you should not impose on another person. You don't have to believe in an invisible man in the sky to understand that. Mm. Like that's just a basic understanding that comes as a result of being a human being. And Mm. so it's very dishonest to kind of like go about life or to kind of like make it seem as though, you know, if you don't subscribe to my religion, you're never ever going to understand this basic truth. Like Mm. that's, that's pretty dishonest. Like even toddlers, um, you know, toddlers are very selfish and very egocentric, but even toddlers kind of will understand if you explain it to them, you know, they Mm. take another toddler's toy and like the other toddler starts to cry. And then you tell them, you know, if I take your toy, are you going to be happy? And they'll probably start crying. They'll say, no, I'm not going to be happy. And then in that moment, they understand that, oh, what I just did to my little toddler friend, it wasn't very nice because if somebody does it to me, I'm going to feel bad. Um, And so, you know, I just feel like there's so much dishonesty that's wrapped up in religion. And um, yeah, especially the part where they say, if you, when they bring up the, 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 the idea of hell, like if you don't stick to this, you're gonna to go to hell. Yeah. And meanwhile, in my in my in my in my estimation, hell isn't something that's to come. Hell is right here on earth. I mean, you don't have to like in fact, just by doing those things that you're not supposed to do, or those those things that do not um progress the human experience, that is hell on earth. So if you steal from someone, you're creating hell for someone, for the person who has lost their thing. Exactly. And then the consequences on you if you're caught will likely be hell as well. So I feel like uh, we already just, religion just makes things so complicated and it makes things um, very prone to extremism. So when you have all those yeah. those heaven and hell things, it just makes the lines so jagged mm-hmm. that people start to, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, religion has, and you see, uh, and another thing that kind of um, drives me crazy about religion is the fact that, you know, it kind of encourages this way of thinking where it's like, oh, there's this world and then, you know, there's hell after or there's heaven after. But then the truth is in this same world, there is both heaven and hell. So, you know, in this same world where some people are like well-fed and like enjoying their lives and like they're so happy and everything is great, some people are being enslaved as children, you know, being beaten, raped, and God knows, like, what is happening to them, you know, yeah. right as I speak, as I, as I say this. And nobody's coming to save them. There's no mm. angel coming with, like, a flaming sword, you know, to, to defend them from the people who are, like, doing this, like, doing all these horrible things to them, you know? So those people are already experiencing hell. And you're trying to tell me that if they don't join your religion, like, there's still a further hell that's waiting for them, like, after they die? <laughs> like, are you serious? You know, so it's like, it's, there's so much dishonesty, like, you know, that, like, is you know, in a lot of religions. And I'm just like... You know the biggest scum? You know the biggest scum? What? The biggest scum is that they, they tell you that God wants your money. No, I mean, I, think, I feel like that one's even, like, super obvious. Like, that one's not, like, I, I don't even, like, I don't even um think about the things that like in terms of like materialism because like i mean that's Mm. obviously like the human component of it but i'm just saying like in terms of like things like suffering things that are emotional and spiritual like suffering like Mm. suffering is a is is universal right but my point is that like a lot of innocents suffer in this world for no good reason and then these religious people have the audacity to say that someone who is truly innocent 
who has suffered unjustly in this world is still mm. destined for, f- for further suffering. If they don't <laughs> believe in your invisible man in the sky religion, why? Like that doesn't like, do you know how dishonest like that is? That's Let me ask you a question. No Let me sense. ask you a question. Let me ask you something. Yeah. If you were, if you were somehow promised that the world could finally have total and complete peace, but only on the condition that you tortured one little child to death, would you do it? Yeah. You're super pragmatic. I love that. I mean, like, I, I like how you didn't even think about it. That's yeah. I mean, here's the thing, right? Yeah. Um, but then like the counter, the, the flip side of that is mm-hmm. I'm going to ask myself really honestly, like, does it even make sense for the whole world to have complete peace? To like, take away all the suffering in the world? Yeah, I'm serious. Like, so here's the thing. Um, when you ask objectively, is the torture and suffering of one child worth the permanent elimination of suffering and pain for the rest of the world? Yes, it's absolutely worth it. Like, there's like I don't like it's not even something you have to think about. Yeah. Um, but the next question is does it make any sense for the entire world to like not have any suffering to not have any like pain not have any this or any that whatever and that's a valid Mm -hmm. question in of itself right yeah so that's a question that i'm not even sure that i know the answer to but i do know the answer to you know would i torture one child to like you know to save the rest of humanity yes i would absolutely do it like i i would do it but Mm. what i don't know is is the rest of humanity even worth saving? Like, does it even make sense to save the rest of humanity? And I think that that's the real question, is that if I ever get to that conclusion where I know whether or not, um, you know, it's I, I'm convinced that, mm-hmm. you know, I should eliminate all suffering, all pain, all blah, 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 for like the rest of humanity then, you know, the question of, okay, do I torture this child or not, like, comes into play. But um, there have been times when I felt like I just want all of this pain to end. There have also been times where I felt like, wow, you know, because I went through this pain, I have a deeper understanding of certain things now. And so even though pain, suffering and whatnot, like, is horrible, um, it does kind of further certain other things if that makes any sense and so i just don't know whether you know a blanket you know snapping your fingers and it all disappears Mm. if that's necessarily as good a thing as it seems to be on the surface you know what i'll say um you you brought something else something up that piqued my interest right now when you said when you talked about you know your suffering i feel like i feel like Everything you've been through with the whole, um, you know, what, what happened when you were a teenager and, yeah. you know, everything that's, that's happened up until now with regards the backlash and the accusations and just everything that you've, you've endured. I think, and I know most people won't see it like that. You probably wouldn't see it like that, but I think it's a blessing in and of itself, in a way. Because if you're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna ask that question that you asked of, is it even, you know, worth it taking away all the suffering because now the things you've been through, whether you, you know it or not have, have, have made you, you know, wiser, stronger, whatever. And it has given you a kind of front row 
experience as to how you want to take your life in the next few 10 years, you know, knowing all, all you've been through and how you've, how you've endured and come out of that. Because coming out of it is the thing. Going through it, anyone, everyone goes through stuff. But coming out of it and being better for it, I think that's where it becomes a gift. So would you say that, you know, you're at that point where you're beginning to, maybe you look back at it, like kind of like how, how let's go back to the Bible now, how Jesus, the story is that he died for our sins. He, he endured, you know, all kinds of things for the betterment of the world. So now in your, in your, in your situation, it's like you endured all of this, but like for the betterment, you know, of yourself in a different way. Like maybe if, if that hadn't happened, you'd be someone else, but you would, the things you know now, the, the strength you have now, you may not have it, or you might have it in a different way. Have you ever thought about it like that? Um, so to be honest, um, I don't think I believe in blessings. Like, I just, I don't think I believe in blessings. Like, I, um, the question I've asked myself about that whole situation, right? I mean, mm -hmm. because I feel like, okay, yes, you know, I think like the knee jerk reaction that, you know, people would say like, oh, okay, you know, if you hadn't been through all that stuff, perhaps you wouldn't have the perspective that you have today. And that's probably true. But then what I also ask myself is, would it have been possible to have the same perspective I have today and also like not like have had to go through all of that stuff? I mean, is would could there have been some other way? You know, perhaps no. could I have observed like some things or like some other people? Could I have learned from like, you know? Um, Latana, I can and, tell and, you that I. And I'm going to be honest with you, right? Yeah. It is true that like suffering builds, well, not not suffering in general, but some suffering, like some type of suffering, does build mm -hmm. character. It is true. Mm -hmm. It is true that some type of suffering builds perspective. But at the same time, I just question whether all of that suffering that I went through, that I have been through, was necessary. And I'm never going to know the answer to that. I really don't know. And I'm and, and that's the thing. Like I'm I'm comfortable saying that I don't know. I don't know everything I think in this world. And like that's the okay. word the word necessary, I think that, that word necessary is is maybe that, I think that's the wrong word because I mean suffering you know, it's, it's not necessary, but when it does happen, it happens. It's inevitable, yeah. as, as we all know. So I think the challenge now is when suffering comes, how do we carry our suffering? How do we, how do we deal with it? Do we, do we um, wither and succumb or do we transcend? And I think when a person transcends, whenever someone chooses to transcend, that makes all the difference, whether or not you choose, you choose that suffering or not. So in the future, maybe 10 years from now, maybe when, when, you go into a stage where you're fulfilled and you've done some things and you look back and you're like, you know, as, as, as tough as that time was, you know, there's, there's a certain kind of perspective. Even I, as I'm just observing and trying to put myself in your yeah, shoes and the but, shoes but of ev everyone else I think the, who's I think gone through that I stuff. The question though is that a lot of people, a lot of the narrative is that, oh, be glad for it. And I think that I can, I think that I can, <laughs> value what i've learned from suffering without no, don't be glad, glad about oh no don't be glad about suffered. it oh no i don't yeah you don't have don't no don't be glad and that's, and that that's what i mean about that blessing narrative is that i just don't mm. believe in it like i, 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 I honestly just don't you know you know why i say blessing you know why i say blessing 
and I know it's 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 a tough word, but not blessing in, in, in terms of the actual suffering itself, but blessing in that you were able to come out of it. That's the blessing, you know? Blessing in terms of you, be, you, you were able to glean the silver, silver lining or you were able to, to make it make you stronger. That's the blessing. The curse would be if it happened to you and then as a result, it destroyed you, damaged you, you couldn't do sexy Igbo, you know, you couldn't be the person you are, you became um, a, 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 a story of a victim and everyone just uses you to, to do like um, all these social issues, stories and stats, like fuck that shit. You went through that stuff and now, you're, and if you think about it, now you have a better sense of who you are, you've become your own champion. Those are things that you don't get without having to overcome. And that's the blessing, the overcoming, not, not so much the actual thing. Well, I guess, I mean, I guess, you know, there is merit in, like, framing it that way. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story, right? And this is very personal to me. And uh, if, you know, if you know me from Loyola, um, I was also, I was like, I was a very, very troublesome kid. What house were you I, in? In Loyola, Loyola House. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. why I didn't know you from Loyola. Like, Loyola House people kind of, like, you guys were on the other side from Connolly, the dining yeah, hall. at the other extreme. Yeah. yeah, so like I think because of the way the dining hall was like laid out, Connolly House and Xavier House people like mm. will always like know each other really well, and then mm. Loyola House and Regis House people will, like always hang out together. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, um, I I I was you know the worst kid, and I, I would even admit it now because I'm I'm older. But then it was like. I felt I was being, you know, picked on and I didn't take responsibility at the time. But it was only after I came out of school and I realized, oh, you know, this is what happens when you, when you act a certain way. People kind of like don't want to be your friend. People don't, people treat you a certain way. And that, that experience kind of like made me want to be better. I didn't want to be someone who was, who was, um, you know, mistreated or disrespected of the way I behaved. The way that, that commanded you know, uh, re- respect and, you know, admiration or whatever comes with that. So while those six years were like the closest thing to hell for me, when I look back now, if I hadn't gone through that, the kind of life I enjoy right now, that could be a far cry. I would still be, you know, some kind of obnoxious nigga who just did some shit for no reason. So, I mean, I can't compare what I went through to what you went through, but, you know, it's still that same mindset in terms of overcoming. Because I could have sucked. I could have been like, Fuck these niggas. Nobody likes me, so I'm just gonna, you know, to hell with it. I'm gonna fuck shit up. But, you know, so it's all and, and you get you know what else happens? People who went through what you've gone through, they 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 take they, they they let that define them. They now take on that self-limiting dynamic of, you know, um, you know, the world is this and this and that, and it just it just seeps through everything they do. They can't be effective creators or or employees or employers or whatever else that they wanna do going forward. So when I when I look at you and you know, you know, seeing that you know you're still very productive, you're still very efficient, and you're still turn, uh, like coming to terms with who you are as a woman, that is the biggest blessing. Well, to be honest, like I do have a lot of compassion for people who, you know, like they kind of end up um not being able to do anything and you know, like they're very much um, you know, overcome by what happened to them. I absolutely have compassion for those people. And I've always said this thing, like everyone hates victims and I don't know why, you know? And like, it kind of pisses me off that like people shit on victims so much. There's nothing wrong with being a victim. 
being a victim is because somebody did something to you. So why don't you get to feel sorry for yourself? Why don't you get to like be woe is me and whatever? Yes, woe is you. Somebody yeah, just well, randomly decided to hurt you for no reason. Well, um, so well I, I have would a lot okay. Of compassion for people who have been victims of something, um, and I think that it's okay for them to go through like a period of not being able to do anything or like you know not being able to be an effective person or not being able to function i'm glad you said period things you said period right? yeah period i know and i know that there are some people that they're never able to overcome it and Mm -hmm. you know that becomes their life Mm -hmm. and that becomes their story that something Mm -hmm. bad happened to them and because of that the rest of their life was destroyed yeah um you know and i think that i feel bad for those people but I don't feel any level of scorn for those people because I've been that person Mm. and, you know, and yes, I did come through it, you know, and I did make it through to the other side, but it was hard. And I almost lost that battle many, many times. Um, I think that perhaps I have always been, a very forceful person since Mm -hmm. I was born or a child or like very little. And, you know, and that was my good fortune Mm. that because I've never been a shrinking violet, that I was able to claw my way out of the pit that I was in. But at the same time, you know, if someone was not born with the strength of character to do that, Mm-hmm. I don't think that I could ever, ever, ever look down on them because, you know, everyone has dealt a different hand. You know, everyone has different strengths and everyone has different weaknesses. Some people don't have strength of character. And, you know, and that may just be as a result of how they were born. That may just be as a result of the personality that they were born with. Um you know, and if because they don't have strength of character, people, other people find it easy to prey on those people and to victimize those people. You know, I don't think that that's okay. their fault. Wait, no, no. You know, you know where, where I disagree. I, I, I disagree because um, we always, you always have a choice to be a, to be a victim or to or or to to not. Yeah, but my point and, is that why do people shit on that choice to be a victim? Why are people so afraid of victims? Or not, well, not afraid actually, but why do people have so much disgust for victims? I'll you tell know? you why. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Other people prey on other on 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 people. You know, I, I, other people create victims, but then everyone is so full of disgust for the person who's the victim, and there's very little disgust for the person who victimized that person to begin with. No, it depends. It depends, though. I think that that's that's a wide blanket you're throwing down. If if if, if you're, I'm going to shoot on a victim, I'm shooting on a victim who um, takes their 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 um, their sorrow and, and and makes that everyone's problem. That's 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 a victim who's problematic. That's a victim who is not uh, does not you know add anything to society that takes more than they give. But and... so what? No, hold, like, on, hold on, hold on, like, hold on. Wait, hold on, hold on. Like, wait. It doesn't matter wait. why you no, shoot on a victim. No, what wait, matters wait. is why you're shooting on a victim anyway for uh, any reason. Sh- shooting is a strong word. I don't know what shooting. What do you mean by shooting? First of all, I mean it's I you know. And and this is not even about you personally. It's just about society in general. A lot of people have a lot of hidden disgust, or well, not even hidden, but like not so like they have a lot of thinly veiled disgust 
for people who have been victimized by someone else. I would and argue that was that's the so opposite time though. Talking about how that person who was victimized should behave or should not behave, should, you know, express sorrow or should not express sorrow, you know, should carry on or should not carry on. And so little time is spent analyzing the behavior or, you know, or the attitude of the person who victimized that person to begin with. And that's what I'm trying to say, is that that's, that's, it really doesn't matter how that person carries on in their sorrow. Like, that, it really, false, really doesn't though. matter. What that's matters false. is that fewer, is that, like, you know, society needs to focus on the people who victimize people to begin with. And, like, they are the ones who should okay. be the focus of all of this analysis and all of this, you know, contempt and all of this disgust and so on and so forth. No. Like, grief no. is very personal and, like, it varies from person to person. And Lutana, people grieve about different things. Lutana? Yes. Yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, we, you, you misunderstand me, right? Now, first of all, where I'll say you're, 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 you're wrong again is that we actually live in a world right now where we have, where, where we glamorize victims. Like, so, like, if you're someone who has been through something, people are even more apt to celebrate you than to, than, than, than to bring you down. That's, like, for example, let's, let's look at, let's look at, maybe the Holocaust, for example. Hitler, okay. Hitler has, is, is, and Germany have, you know, felt the full brunt of everyone. In fact, the Jews, anytime anyone talks about the Jews, is like with a little bit of, you know, walking on eggshells because they were victims of one of the most horrific acts in history. And the oppressor, Hitler and, and Germany, have taken on that, uh, that blame, full, on the full uh, blame. And same goes with, with a lot of different things. You know, you know even when people, the only, the only thing that I think that, that victims suffer is that when, first of all, the facts aren't clear, two, when they make a show of it, that's where I even personally have a problem when a victim makes a show of their victimhood, you know, because, and that's, 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 that's really where the, where weakness is, you know, it's right now it's, it's cool to have issues. It's cool to be damaged. It's cool to have flaws, but that is that it might be cool and it might look good, but that doesn't add to, 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 you know, progress and, you know, being an example for others who are going through that. For example, you now, you know what it's like to have been where you are. You've managed to transcend that. Now you're in, in the best position to tell or talk to or help other people who are going to go through that because many will fall. In fact, few fall, more, more fall than rise above all these, all these things. So in order for people to take advantage of what the world has dealt, for example, just look, what, what, what have the Jews done from their victimhood? They transcended and used that to become a whole other force in today's culture. That's, that's the ideal of going through stuff. What's the point of going through stuff? If you let it hold you back, but if you use that to build, you use that to, 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 to make, to become that underdog story. Now that is what I think anyone will rise on to. Look at Ketchy, for example. She was, she's a victim. You know, Ketchy, Ketchy, Kuchi, she was in your set, yeah, right? Yeah, I know Ketchy, yeah. my friend. She's the, a good example of a victim. She had every right to, you know, just be like, yeah, this happened to me. You know, I was, I'm no longer this beauty I was. You know, let me just like, let that be that. And, you know, she'll have every right and no one will shit on her. People love her story so much. But then she took it a step further and she became more than that. Now she's a beacon for all kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, but I think, I, think, I think the point I'm trying to make is that 
even if she do, even even if like that was what she had done, even if she had sat at home all day and she had said, "Oh, woe is me," you know, I was in this plane crash and now you know all of these things happened to me. I think that's okay. I think my stance is that you know, yes, is it good to rise above things that have happened to you and to become a stronger person for it? Yes, it's, you know, that's a great thing. It's ideal. It's yeah, ideal, that's yeah. ideal. But what I'm trying to say is that not everybody is able to actually succeed and do that. And that's okay. There has to be a comfortable middle ground for people who were never able to fully overcome what happened to them. And they were never able to have that glorious triumph that everyone was expecting or that everyone was hoping that they would have. And I think that there's so much pressure when something that, bad happens to you to come but, back triumphant. But that's and the thing. That's no one expects reality. you to come back triumphant. No one, no, that's I, the, as a victim, I mean, no one expects that. I don't mean that. that no one, I don't mean that people expect it of you, but I mean that like, that is like a popular story in human consciousness is that the person who was so beaten down and then, you know, everyone thought like they were completely done and then they came back and they overcame and then, you know, and mm-hmm. they returned gloriously. And mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say is that, like, it's amazing if that happens. Like, that's fantastic. But the truth is that for every person, you know, who has this triumphant, like, you know, return, there are mm-hmm. the people who just didn't make it. There are the people who are just, like, chipping along and, you know, and it's never going to be great again and it's never going to be whatever. And, like, they kind of suffer quietly. And I think that, you know, that those people need to be able to live comfortably as well like those people need to have you know a place that is in society that it's okay um and it kind of goes back to what you said about extremes you know there's oh the victim who wallows and like you know and like that defines their whole life and then there's oh the victim that overcame it and like became a triumphant success and like defeated all their enemies but the reality is that a lot of people exist along that spectrum. And I've been, I think I've been at every single point, like along that spectrum. Mm -hmm. And I just, I have a lot of compassion for people who are still struggling with something because they were unjustly made a victim of someone else's actions. And I don't, I try my best not to put any expectations on them or to put any pressure on them to, become this triumphant, you know, overcomer because that's not reality. Like that's not how life actually plays out. How life plays out is that many, many of these people are never going to triumph over their enemies. And it's funny because like I talk to my mom about this all the time and like we laugh about it, but a lot of truth is said in jest. And we always say that wicked people are the most efficient, hardworking, you know, determined people in this world, you know, they are really good at what they do. They're really good at ruining people's lives. And like, they're super efficient at it. People who are good or people who are innocent are actually not that good at living life. They're not that good at playing the game, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you know, when things happen to them, they're not that good at bouncing back. Wicked people are very good at bouncing back from adversity, but like the more innocent you are, the harder it is for you to bounce back. And so, you know, I try to not, I try to See, not. That, that's why the Bible says, 
by how what, well or like how badly like they bounce back from something terrible that happened to them. Okay. Okay. So, so now, now um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that we get, we get people, you know, bounce back and then innocent people don't. Now you're, you, you have the best of both worlds. You were innocent once, you know, and now, 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 for example, like now you can, you can bounce back from anything. Once you've, once you've been, once you've been through what you've been through, you can, there's nothing, nothing scares you anymore. I think that's one of the things about you. Like, like you're more fearless than most people. You can take some risks. You know what it takes to some extent to get yourself back and keep it moving. And that's, those, those are the lessons you can't learn. It's like, like 50 Cent, for example, he, he, he goes, he was shot nine times at the point of death. And in his book, he talked about how if, when, you've come, when you come back from that, nothing scares you and you want to, you want to go all the way. And the, what, what happens now is that most of us, we wait for something to happen to us before we learn. I think now when we watch people like you and others, we don't want to wait till shit happens. We want to start building that mental strength, that toughness by, by, by being more aggressive right now, by, by taking a little bit more risks so that, you know, when things do pop off, we stand a chance. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, I think we've, we've had a, a great um, exchange. Uh, this, is, this is amazing. Just, you know, getting to your head a little bit and just talking. How, how do you feel so far? What, 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 what do you feel um, so far? I think it was nice, like, you know, to explore some of these things like we talked about. Um, I think that, you know, um, don't always get the opportunity to talk about them just because um, I think a lot of people generally, like, would rather just, like, talk about stuff that's, like, popular, and that's fine. Um, but, yeah, honestly, um, I feel like I'm really happy with, like, where I am in life right now. Mm. Um, and I feel like I'm more comfortable with myself than I used to be. And like, that's something that I'm really thankful for. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I'm just, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to continuing to work <laughs> on things <laughs> that I enjoy. Before um, we wrap. Yeah. Before we wrap, I'm going to tell you something, right? There's this girl I had on my on my on the podcast. She was a guest a couple of weeks ago. Her name is Aisha Sambo. She's uh, mm. um, she does a lot of things. And w- w- when we talked, she said that her life was so simple and so easy. Like she should grow up privileged, right? Mm-hmm. And she got to a point where she was asking herself, "Where's my struggle?" Can you imagine a girl at 16, 17, 18 asking herself, "Where's my struggle?" Because she felt like life was was so handed to her, and then she read all these books. And she's seen that all the people who ever did anything worth doing, you know, had, um, um, you know, been through something that defined them, that made them who they are. And then what happens was that that years later, when she was like 20, her dad died. Mm -hmm. Now there was a struggle and she, she was able to, you know, take on that and become, you know, better. So, uh, I think, but isn't that the story of the Buddha? Like, um, he was a prince once and he had everything that he could ever want. And then, you know, he realized that his life was so easy. And then he went out into the world and he encountered suffering. And he, I guess, you know, he too felt like, where's my struggle until he encountered like all of the suffering. And like, now we have Buddhism today. Yeah. So now, so, I mean, and and now he's he's a well-rounded person and so are you, you know, you know, both worlds, you know, and you can, you can build on that, but that's just my, my take. 
on the whole thing. And I um, I hope those of you listening to Lutana, aka Sugar Belly, um, can can take on that as well. So um, thank you very much for coming on, Lutana. This was amazing. Uh, yeah, not a problem. I don't take this for granted at all. So uh, you guys do check out Sugar. I mean, t- check out uh, sexyebo.com and see if it's it's worth your time. Share it. And let's let's make Ebo great again. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, thank you very much. Have a good day, Natana. If you would like to listen to more episodes of the Young God Podcasts, go on to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are available. Do subscribe so you can be notified when new episodes are released.